1: Media. Mm. Soundsington. 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 Soundsington.
2: hey brian if you could use a satellite orbiting the earth from outer space to see something on earth what would you look at
0: our house i would look at our house really yeah first yeah definitely one it's easy to find i can just type my own address in i assume that's how a satellite works you type you type in an address and then the satellite moves around and points at the thing okay what okay. about you
2: I would look at a dog park, like a really big one where a bunch of dogs are playing.
0: Oh, I like that. So, why did you ask that question?
2: Well, each week here on Reach, we get to explore big questions about outer space and science, but it's not that often that we get to explore our home planet.
0: So this week, we're reversing the lens, so to speak, and taking a look at our world here on Earth from the perspective of space. I'm Brian Holden.
2: And I'm Meredith Stepien. And this is Reach, a space podcast for kids. You know, Brian... This show's a lot of fun. Each week we get to learn so much about space, science, and what it takes to get involved in exploring our universe. Totally. I mean, we learned about rovers landing on Mars, the James Webb Space Telescope.
0: What it takes to be an astronaut.
2: Even the ethics of space exploration.
0: And in one of our first episodes, we had the chance to learn all about black holes from Dr. Geza Jook, an astronomer at Chicago's Adler Planetarium.
2: And you know, as luck would have it, we were able to catch up with an actual black hole.
0: That's right. This week, we're kicking off our episode with a new installment of Did You Know? And we're excited to be joined by one of the strangest and most powerful objects in the universe.
2: So please join us in giving a warm reach welcome to a black hole.
3: Hello! Hi! Thanks so much for having me, Brian and Meredith. Did you know that black holes are formed when the center of a big star collapses in on itself? This collapse results in a huge amount of mass being concentrated in an incredibly small area. Then the gravitational pull of this area becomes so strong that nothing, not even light, can escape it. Whoa, so cool! Did you know that once formed, black holes can grow by accumulating matter pulled into them, including gas from neighboring stars and even other black holes? That's great to know!
2: What else can you tell us about being a black hole?
3: Here's a fun word. Spaghettification. Spaghettification is the process by which anything approaching a black hole's gravitational pull will get pulled, stretched, and separated. Much like a piece of pasta. The good news for you is that black holes like myself are only dangerous if you get too close to them. And the nearest black holes are thousands upon thousands of light years away. Wow, we appreciate you sharing all of that. So, tell us, what is your favorite thing about being a black hole? Well, in addition to being a black hole, I'm also an amateur foodie. There's nothing I enjoy more than making meals from scratch. So I'm sure you can imagine how delighted I am to spaghettify every object that enters my gravity. I just toss it into a pot, add some tomato sauce, maybe some oregano, a meatball or two, and voila, intergalactic pasta.
2: Wow, thank you so much for joining us this week on Did You Know? Oh, my pleasure.
3: And I have to run anyway. I have some fusilli simmering on the stove.
2: Goodbye! Is it weird that spaghettification makes me hungry?
0: Not at all. I'm ready for lunchification. So cool to actually speak with one of the universe's most powerful objects.
2: There's so much we can learn about the universe.
0: And by using tools like satellites in space, there's a lot we can learn about our Earth. Including, very importantly, our climate.
2: And believe it or not, There's an unusual connection between satellites, our Earth's climate, and whales.
0: And before we dive into that conversation... (laughs) Get it? Dive?
2: Yeah, we get it, Brian, because of whales. Yeah,
0: because of whales. We thought we'd reach out to our listener community and ask them, what do you think whales could teach us about climate change?
2: Let's have a listen. Hi, my name is Bella, and I think that whales can teach us about climate change just by going about life how they do. Because the fact that they're able to help fix our atmosphere and contribute to it by literally just pooping, and that it helps phytoplankton have the resources that they need to create oxygen for our atmosphere.
1: Hi, my name is Blythe and we can learn a lot from whales. Whales play an important role in our ecosystem where they help provide the oxygen we need to breathe. And they even help combat climate change. I'm Sophia, and I think whales teach us about climate change by what they do. They poop, and by doing that, they probably don't realize that they're feeding phytoplankton, which take in carbon dioxide and release oxygen, so, and that helps climate change. It clears the air. So they don't even realize that everything they're doing while they're living is helping their environment. So we should be like that, which everything we do, we should be trying to help our environment, like recycling things that need to be recycled or trying to decrease the amount of carbon dioxide We release into the air. If whales can literally just do that with their lives and be a helpful thing, that shows us that we need to contribute
2: a little bit more.
0: Wow. Wow. I wish that our poop was as useful as whale poop.
2: I never knew any of this about whales. Kids are smart.
0: There's so much we can learn about our life here on Earth, and particularly about changes in our climate through the development of new satellite tools that capture information through observation.
2: We had the honor of sitting down with Steve Iris, Manager of Applications and Utilization at the Canadian Space Agency, to learn more about a very cool endeavor called the Smart Whales Initiative.
0: Hello, Steve. Welcome to Reach. It's an honor to have you on our podcast here. Um, for our listeners, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do?
4: Yes, yeah, sure. So uh, thank you very much. Very pleased to be uh, here today. Uh, yeah, so my name is Steve Iris. I'm working at a Canadian space agency for almost 20 years now. Currently, I'm uh, the manager of a program that we call Smart Dirt. Uh, leading a wonderful team of people. And we have money that we provide to Canadian companies and also also uh, uh, universities and researchers to help them to really exploit the potential of uh, satellite data and the information that are contained in the uh, satellite uh, data coming from our wonderful tool that we put in space. That's excellent.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about satellites before on this show, so I think our, our audience has some sort of reference for, like, satellites and what's out there. But in some of my homework that I was doing on you, Steve, I learned that there are thousands of satellites above us right now. I know that they sort of help us in our everyday lives, like with GPS and the car and, and things like that. But I learned that they also are helping us with problems, sort of unrelated to space. Now we've heard a lot about climate change and the importance of taking care of our global ecosystem. Could you tell us a little bit more about how the Canadian Space Agency is helping us to protect
4: the planet? For uh, sure, sure. So um, we have kind of a great role to play because we are there to help the development of a new satellite, new tools that will be able to capture information to help us to understand the impact of climate change. Uh, we also are also working in partnership with uh, other groups, either in Canada, in the U.S., or elsewhere, in, elsewhere in, the, in the world, when we can partner to develop a new system. Uh, and uh, what is great is really that element of collaboration, not only within the country, but also with our international partner, because as you know, space is it's quite uh, an expensive venture.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
4: sometimes it's quite difficult just alone to bring all this satellite we would like to put in, in orbit. So by working all together and uh, having common goals, because we know that climate change is not limited to Canada only or the US, so it's really a worldwide issue. So I yes. think that uh, it's a great opportunity to, to for collaboration.
0: That is so true. And that's another thing we talk about on our show a lot, teamwork. You know, getting to space uh, takes a lot of teamwork amongst a lot of different people around the world. I was wondering, Steve, could
4: you tell us about the Smart Whales initiative? Yes, for sure. Um, So Smart Whales is a very, very great initiative. Uh, In fact, it's linked with climate change at some point because um, with the ocean that is getting warmer, We know that some uh, species like the North Atlantic right whales is looking for colder temperature water. So they're coming more and more to northern areas where they were not going uh, before. And those areas are very active in terms of uh, maritime traffic, uh, fisheries and other human activities like that. And we saw over the years that uh, they have a large impact on them. So there was a lot of uh, North Atlantic right whales that had been killed by ship because they were been it, or they will be entangled within fishing gear. Um, so the government of Canada, have put uh, the protection of the North Atlantic right whales as a big priority. And even if we already have some tools that already exist, like, I don't know, uh, direct sightseeing, uh, drone, or even eco that we put underwater, uh, they were looking for new ways or new tools to be put in that toolbox. So uh, we launch uh, Smart Whales, and what we ask is that we ask two kind of big questions. So the first one is where satellite data could play a role to better detect the the North Atlantic right whales, where they are. And second, considering other type of parameters, where they will be, where they will be moving next.
0: Wow! Yes, and I I also want to point out for any of our listeners, this is something I didn't know. But this this is a, a specific well, it's a species of whales, right? Or a, a class of whales, a, the right whales, kind of like right your right hand. It's spelled the same way, but that's the the type of
4: whale that it is. Correct? Yes, exactly. And th- this is very big whales, and this is an endangered species. I the right number is very difficult because you look at different. Sources and it's not the same number, but I think that it's almost agreed by these uh, different sources is that there's probably less than 400 uh, individual uh, in, in the world. So really? it's quite uh, important to really protect them. Yeah.
0: I want to ask you just a couple of questions about how the satellites are going to help with this issue with the right whales, because you talked about being able to monitor where they are or where they're going, but how exactly will uh, satellite observation be able to achieve that?
4: Yeah, the big advantage that we have with satellites is that they are going over and over the planet. So we have regular monitoring of certain areas on a regular basis. If you want to understand a certain phenomena, you need to monitor it and see if there's a progress or it's decreasing. So how you do this? Uh, The advantage of satellite is because of his vantage point that is very high in altitude. He has so large field of view that he could uh, look at the same time the ocean and the land and could have a good idea of the impact on the coastal area. Could monitor on regular basis, as I mentioned before. Um, So this is where satellite play an important role to understand all those phenomena. We can have a satellite who will be able uh, with the sensor to detect the temperature of the water. So that's one source of information. Uh, we have another one that works like our uh, regular camera on our phones, which take uh, pictures and it's looked like what we're taking from home, but from mm. above. Uh, there's other sensors that are uh, not affected by any cloud condition. And oh. any, they don't need any water, any uh, light to, to capture an image. So All these different information, this is why we have so many satellites because they are able to capture those different information. And after uh, uh, they are captured, we bring all those together. And this is where we can uh, extract new information. So if we were looking, for example, for the projection, we know that we want to look at uh, the food that they are uh, looking for. Mm. And the food is located uh, usually uh, with certain parameters like temperature of water between that level and that level, et cetera. So we are able to generate maps and we can really focus on those area. And after that, all those parameters is taken into account to say, okay, we have a 80% chance that the Narodontic right whales will move in that spot over the next three days, for example.
0: And it sounds like you have your bases covered. It's like you're taking pictures, and if you't if, if you can't see the whales in the pictures, you have the the satellite that can see through the clouds or you can measure temperature to see where their food's going. It sounds like, yeah, you've really done a good job of trying to figure out this problem. we, we We're working with very,
4: very uh, brilliant people uh, here uh, in Canada. Uh, we are working with our partners that are part of Transport Canada really regulating the trend maritime transport and also from fisheries and ocean that really there to protect the ocean and the species in it. Mm. Uh, so the team that we have that bring all those uh, knowledge and understanding and expertise all together. This is why we think that we have a very, very solid case to 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 build on. So
0: excellent. Yes. Teamwork makes the dream work. Before we go, we like to ask this a lot of a lot of our guests. We like to ask about what advice you might have for any of our young listeners who are dreaming about a career in space or science? Uh,
4: What I must say is that space is very, very large. It's not only limited to astronaut. Most of the time, this is the main image that we have from space. And when we look at their background, we say, oh my God, they're so bright that I'll never reach that level. Mm. There's so many jobs related to space that you will find your way. Uh, There's not for sure in science, but it's not only limited to engineer uh their science part but there's also a lot of of support that coming from our colleagues that working in different fields it could be finance legal communication all these people also bring uh, their knowledge and expertise to the space sector and it's really the work that we do in the background but uh, it's so important that we have all of this all together and again it's really a collaboration so be open to work with various people, be open-minded, and I'm sure you, you will get through to, to the space sector for sure. It's so, so appealing that I'm sure that there will be a lot of people interested to work in that field.
0: So true. Yes, there's space for everyone in space, right?
4: Oh yeah, there's a lot of space.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and good luck with the Smart Whales Initiative.
4: Thank you very much.
2: Wow, thanks so much to Steve Iris from the Canadian Space Agency for joining us on Reach. Sorry, Brian, one second.
0: Yeah, I usually keep notifications on mute when we're recording.
2: Oh, cool. Hey, remember a few weeks ago when we had the chance to catch up with Io, one of the moons of Jupiter? Yeah. Well, I think some of the other nearby moons heard the segment and got jealous because they've been sending texts saying they want to hop on the show to say hello. Cool. There's another one. Uh, let, let me just mute this.
0: Yeah, I think the texts are still happening. Okay, that's another one, right? I,
2: I know. Okay, these planets keep texting me. Anyway, as you know, one of Jupiter's neighbors is the planet Saturn, and Titan, Saturn's largest moon, stop by for a bonus edition of Did You Know?
0: Why don't any of these planets ever text me? Why is everybody texting? Hello, Hello Titan. Titan?
5: Hey, thanks so much for having me, Brian and Meredith. Here we go. Did you know that? In addition to being Saturn's largest moon, I am the second largest moon in the solar system. I'm even bigger than the planet Mercury.
0: (laughs) What else can you tell us about being one of Saturn's moons?
5: While my surface is solid ice, underneath you would likely find a liquid ocean with the potential to harbor life. Can you believe that? Really? Cool! I am the only moon in the solar system to have a significant atmosphere made up mostly of nitrogen. And lastly, I have featured prominently in your pop culture, appearing in the 2009 film Star Trek, Star Trek Nemesis, and an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, as well as episodes of Futurama, Cowboy Bebop, and many more. Wow, we
2: appreciate you sharing all of that. So tell us, what is your favorite thing about being Titan?
5: Oh, goodness, what else is good about being Titan? I think if I had to pick, it's that, you know... A lot of, um, a lot of moons for other planets, they have to wear, I believe on Earth you call them hand-me-downs, like one moon has to get a pair of pants from a bigger moon, his big brother moon. Do you all have that in your Earth families? Yes, I, I also, I also have that in moon life. We, uh, We have pants and we have to share them because there aren't enough moon pants to go. You know what I want to figure out is who makes the moon pants? Because why can't they just make more is what I'm asking. Like, why can't like we've determined that there's a deficit. They should just make more moon pants. Right. I mean, am I nuts? Am I like talking wild here or something? Never mind. Okay.
0: Thanks so much for joining us this week
5: on Did You Know? Okay, I'm going to go. I am going to get to the bottom of that moon pants thing. Bye, Titan out.
2: See you next time, Titan.
5: And to all you
0: other celestial objects who'd like to join the show, just text Meredith. Okay, I think they heard you.
2: Speaking of technology, ever wonder what it would be like to learn about science in augmented reality?
0: Check out BrainSpace Magazine, an award winning interactive magazine designed for kids 8 to 14 that's on newsstands now.
2: BrainSpace launches young minds into big thinking by publishing educational resources and teaching aids with AR technology for classrooms.
0: And much like our Conversations at Reach, aims to push beyond the brick and mortar borders of buildings.
2: You know, Brian, I love that we spend so much time learning about our galaxy and beyond, but sometimes it's nice to learn about life on our planet as well.
0: The satellites that are above us are such amazing tools. And not just for looking out into space. They're helping us learn more about our life here on Earth.
2: Yeah, it's so cool, Brian
0: Got a question about space? We'd love to hear from you. Get your parents' permission and give us a call at 312-248-3402. Then leave us a message with your first name, where you're from, and your question for a chance to be featured in an upcoming episode.
2: Thanks for joining us for Reach, a space podcast for kids. We're your hosts, Meredith Stepien
0: and Brian Holden. This episode of Reach was written by Sandy Marshall with Nate DeFort, Meredith Stepien, and Brian Holden.
2: Reach is produced by Nate DeFort and Sandy Marshall, who's a solar system ambassador for NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and edited by Nate DeFort.
0: Our theme song and additional music was composed by Jesse Case.
2: Very special thanks to Steve Iris, Manager of Applications and Utilization at the Canadian Space Agency. To learn more about the CSA's Smart Whales Initiative, visit the link in our show notes.
0: We also want to say thanks to Marie-Eve Roy at the Canadian Space Agency. Follow the CSA on Twitter at CSA underscore ASC.
2: The Black Hole was voiced by the incredible Alex Goldman, co-host of the Reply All podcast from Gimlet Media. Subscribe to Reply All wherever you find your podcasts and follow the show on Twitter at Reply All.
0: Titan was voiced by the incomparable Tawny Newsom, who you know from the hit shows Space Force on Netflix and Star Trek Lower Decks. Follow Tawny on Twitter at Trondi Newman.
2: And special thanks to Nikki Middleton at Brainspace Magazine. Learn more at brainspacemagazine.com.
0: As always, a big thanks to the REACH learning community.
2: Thanks, Bella, Sophia, and Blythe. Hey, if you're enjoying REACH, be sure to tell your friends and leave us a rating and review in your podcast player of choice.
0: Or share an episode on social media.
2: And if you'd like to find us online, visit at Reach the Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or on our website at reachthepodcast.com.
0: Reach is a production of Soundsington Media, committed to making quality programming for young audiences and the young at heart. For more information on our shows and the people behind them, go to soundsingtonmedia.com.
2: We've all been there. You're standing in a museum staring at a painting, and all you can think is, I don't get it. To me, knowing the story
3: behind an artwork is a huge part of knowing how to look at it. I'm Amanda, the host of the Art of History podcast, where we view history through the lens of some really great works of art. Each episode, we dive deep into the bigger picture behind some
2: familiar and maybe not so familiar pieces. Check out Art of History now wherever you get your podcasts.